Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. Good evening and welcome to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Tonight in Love the Words, uh, we have Jimi Hendrix's eighth pandemical. His pandemical is a Covid journal uh, that he's been writing over the last few months. and We'll continue with it until June the 21st. This is the latest episode and you can catch up with all of his pandemical episodes on uh, Love the Words available on our podcast so uh, and do sign up for that if you haven't done already following the pandemical we've got the weight of smoke the weight of smoke is a 45 minute meditation on the life and the deeds and the work of sir walter raleigh sir walter raleigh very controversial figure in british english history a little providence uh, about the provenance of the piece, I started setting to music some words by Sir Walter Raleigh, probably about three or four years ago. I uh, really like Sir Walter as a poet, regardless of all the other stuff that he did. Um, After I'd written about ten pieces, uh, ten settings of his poetry, I got together with the bassist, Dave Bowie, who uh, is based here in Leeds, and we started working up the pieces into a kind of suite of songs. I then wrote some uh, interlinking poetry or pieces of writing that kind of joined up the songs. And then we uh, we toured the piece down south, where southwest, where Raleigh came from. We even performed a few yards from the graves of his relatives in the church down there. Um, we also performed on the 400th anniversary of his execution. Uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, so uh, here is the piece. recorded with the voices of Pam Hilton and Owen Shaw. First of all, before we hear The Way to Smoke, Jimi Hendrix and his eighth pandemical. The Poetry Pandemical by Jimi Hendrix. Part 8. Hey pal, don't forget your face coding. I know it's been over a year since I've used the loo in Sainsbury's myself. I know, it feels different but things haven't really altered. The numbers are the same as when it felt like the end of the world last autumn. We've not seen our friends since October round here. It's taken till now so I'm not freaked out by people within two metres. That silent shout of exasperation that People can't follow arrows to the exit, or dither like shiting dogs over digestive biscuits vanished when I got my second jab. Funny that. I feel less frightened, but a little bit flat. Maybe it's just me struggling to adapt like the shivering revellers in woolly hats, huddled over lagers. The friendly ridges of eye pressure that have been so kind even in winter finally get the rest not available yet to nurses on forgotten ICUs. Now no one takes in the numbers of deaths at the end of the news in the slot where they used to say, and finally, then cut to a story about cats. No one comes out to applaud. No one over 60 can see beyond a beach in a country they voted to cut us off from. The legacy of too much time on social media, too much time spending gifts others fought for, of money and time, having a much better time than our parents to notice that we didn't end up all affluent like this, by immutable laws of nature. Too young to recall the war, but old enough for economic windfalls of affordable mortgages, free higher education and peace in our time before their baffling frustration made them vote to pull the ladder up behind them. Hey pal, don't forget your history. Don't piss on your grandkids. Don't forget that feeling when, for a few weeks, we were solid. They don't seem to need me at the vaccine centre now, which is fine I suppose now vaccines have been displaced by a row about the PM's wallpaper. Not that it interests the boomers. Corruption, incompetence, lies and deaths by the thousand are okay so long as we can go on holiday, guaranteed sand and sun and cheap beer. Never mind if they never have elections. 
Never mind if women can't go out alone. Never mind the suppression of free speech. Never mind if rape is legal. Never mind. Our recreation is the main thing. Never mind. Everything's going to be okay. Isn't it? It says so on Facebook. It's going to be okay. It is. It's on the front page. It's going to be okay. The pubs are open. It's going to be okay. We've had our jabs. It's going to be okay. We've booked our holes. It's going to be okay. Are they rubbing their hands with anticipation? Or is it sanitizer? Hey pal, don't forget your sanitizer. Hey pal, don't forget them nurses. Hey pal, don't forget how we got here. Hey pal, don't believe the papers. Hey pal, don't forget. Hey pal, don't forget. Hey pal, don't forget everything else. Now you've booked your holidays. Love the haiku, love the sonnet, love the quatrain and the couplet, love the words, from East Leeds FM. At dawn on October the 29th, 1618, Walter Raleigh, condemned to death by King James I for high treason, walks out to his scaffold, and he's looking good. You were always a dresser, satin doublet, waistcoat of fine black velvet, your last appearance on the stage of history. How the King hoped these crowds would stay away on Lord Mayor's Day. But here we are, crammed shoulder to shoulder in the yard. For you have been a star at which our world has gazed. And when stars fall, it is a spectacle. I am the voice of the witness. And what do I see? Sir Walter Raleigh stepping up to the block. Well, someone said you've eaten a hearty breakfast, smoked a pipe. Your breath steams in the autumn sun. Oh, Sir Walter, all this for a song? dreams so are my joys expired and past return are all my dandled days I love misled my fancy quite retired of all which past the sorrow only stays the sorrow only stays my lost delights now clean from sight of land have left me all alone in unknown ways my mind to woe my life in fortune's hand of all which pass the sorrow only stays only the sorrow
Country strange without companion. I only wail the wrong of death's delays. Whose sweet spring spent, whose summer well nigh done. Of all which pines, the sorrow only stays. The sorrow only stays. Only the sorrow. Walter's early years are spent at Hayes Barton Farm, within sniffing distance of the South Devon Sea. His father is a tenant farmer. All his life, aware of his origins, Walter sets great store on owning land. Walter, boy, where do you run to? The sea. Out of the farm, up into Hayeswood, follow the stream. One day a queen will mock your Devonshire, call you her water, gift you a palace on the Thames. Water, your element. Oh, the view down river that draws you out across oceans, gold in your eyes, the wide Orinoco. I am the voice of the river, Walter. All rivers, the fluvial tide of fortune. Look, you're almost out of the woods. Small boy running, top of the hill, scanning the horizon, and there it lies, a glitter in the sun. Where will you go, boy sitting on the cliff? To what ends of the wide earth? Give me my scallop shell of quiet my staff of faith to walk upon My scrip of joy, immortal diet My bottle of salvation Give me my scallop shell of quiet My staff of faith to walk upon My scrip of joy, immortal diet my bottle of salvation My gown of glory, hope's true gauge And thus I'll take my pilgrimage Over the silver mountains Where spring the nectar fountain there I will kiss the bowl of bliss And drink my eternal fill On every milk and hill There I will kiss the bowl of bliss 
eternal fill on every milk and hill. Give me my scallop shell of quiet, my staff of faith to walk upon, my scrip of joy, immortal diet, my bottle of salvation, my gown of glory, hope's true gauge, and thus I'll. Although he goes up to London to study law, Walter soon earns renown at court as a soldier, a pirate, a wit, a character. Six foot tall, full foot taller than the rest of us, skin swarthy, dark hair flowing, beard curling, naturally. Jewel on the finger, pearl in the ear, and that haughtiness of bearing. Sent to fight in France. Efficiency. To Ireland as a captain. Glory. The 600 Spanish mercenaries you, Walter Raleigh, put to the sword. The girl from Smerrick you got with child. It's said Walter loves a wench well. Oh, England, my lion heart. I am the voice of Elizabethan manhood, fame and ambition. Come, rise up. Arise, Sir Walter. Walter becomes the aging queen's favourite. Lovers? No. But she certainly keeps him close by her side. Confidant, 
sparring partner, fellow poet, bodyguard. The rashness of her doting. Does Her Majesty not recognize an upstart? Money, jewels, land, she showers upon him. Look at her, she's almost in his lap. I am the voice of the envious rival. Arrogance. Now he boasts he can weigh the smoke that comes out his pipe. She bets he can't. Scales, he cries, and weighs a shred of the noxious weed, which slowly he smokes, watching her, watching him. Then knocks out the pipe, weighs the ashes. And the difference? The weight of smoke. Ah, she smiles. I have seen men turn gold into smoke, but my Walter turns smoke into gold. Beware, Sir Walter. We are all smoke in the wind. Now what is love, I pray thee tell It is that fountain and that well Where pleasure and repentance dwell It is perhaps the sauncing bell That tolls all into heaven or hell And this is love as I hear tell Yet what is love, I pray thee say It is a work on holy day It is December matched with May When lusty bloods in fresh array Here ten months after of the play And this is love as I hear say What is love, I pray thee say It is a sunshine mixed with rain It is a toothache, all like pain It is a game where none hath gained The lass saith no and would full fame And this is love as I hear say Charter for Walter Raleigh, signed by Elizabeth I. Our trusty and well-beloved servant, Walter Raleigh, is granted leave to discover such remote, heathen and barbarous lands, countries and territories, not actually possessed of any Christian prince, nor inhabited by Christian people. It will be the first English settlement in the New World. 89 men, 17 women, 11 children of English and Irish stock will be left at Roanoke to found the city. The city will be called Raleigh. My name is Eleanor Dare. 
and the daughter to whom I've given birth is the first European child to be born in North America. Her name? Virginia. But now, two years on, Sir Walter, your ships have not returned. We watch for masts, sunrise, sunset. Have you forgotten us in that heroic routing of Spain's armada? Or just embarked on a more enticing adventure? It's said that you're a man of passing passions. Return you will, but to find our settlement abandoned. Search, search, no trace of us will ever be found. Sun may set, may set and rise, but we contrarywise sleep or sleep after our short light, an everlasting night, one everlasting night. Sun may set, may set and rise, but we contrarywise sleep, oh sleep, after our short light, an everlasting night, one everlasting. Sunset, sunrise, sunset, sunrise, short Walter is at the peak of his influence and power. For some, a hero. For others, the best hated man in England and riding for a fall. But it's love that fires the arrow that fells him. Oh, Walter, neither of us is in the bloom, and we both know the court. I am maid of honour, you captain of the Queen's Guard. How hot she loves you. How hot will her fury be when she finds out I have bedded you. I know you're vain and proud. I know you've a bastard daughter by an Irish Alice. I am best Throckmorton. Nobody's fool. 
I will marry you, bear you three sons, and outlive you by thirty years. Her Majesty will punish us for our love, banish us from court. But I, who will live to see a king lose his head, what fear I the wrath of a queen when love is at stake? Groves, hills and fields Woods or steepy mountains yield If all the world and love were young And truth in every shepherd's tongue These pretty pleasures might me move To live with thee and be thy love of the finest wool which from our pretty lambs we'd pull fair lined slippers for the cold with buckles of the purest gold a belt of straw and ivy buds with coral clasps and amber studs and if these pleasures may thee move Come live with me and be my love Oh, could youth last and love still breed Had joys no date, no age, no need Then those delights my mind might move To live with thee and be thy love Elizabeth finally dies. Walter refuses to bend the knee for her successor, James. The king condemns him to death, but pardons him in the final hour. Walter remains a prisoner in the tower for 13 years. I like visiting you. Owen, your waterman, rows me across. Manteo, the Indian you brought from Guiana, sits with us. Who would guess you're a prisoner of my father, the king, here in the tower on a false charge of treason? If only he knew that I am your apprentice. Teach me, Sir Walter. Read to me from your book, The History of the World, which is truly a story of tyrants deposed for abusing their power. I am Prince Henry, 
heir to the throne. I would rule on behalf of my people when I am king. Shame, then, I will die of a fever caught whilst swimming in the Thames, aged sixteen. I would have given them all the lie.
After years in the Tower of London, desperate for release, Walter sees one final chance to win back his freedom, his reputation and his family's inheritance. Remember me, father? I am what, Raleigh? Flesh of your flesh. While you were tutoring the king's son, your own was whoring round Paris. No more than you did at my tender age. But now I'm ready. I know the wager you've taken. The king, desperate for funds, grants you freedom to leave the tower and you will sail for Guiana. There, in the mountains, you'll find your Eldorado and bring home the gold that wins in one throw the king's solvency and your pardon. Let me come, sail with you on the flagship destiny, prove myself your son. My mother forbids it. Persuade her. Swear on your love for her that together, father and son, we will make her proud and return. As you came from the holy land of Walsingham Met you not with my true love By the way as you came She is neither white nor brown But it's the heavens fair There is none hath a form so divine earth or the Never sick, never old, never dead 
from itself never turning from itself never turning from itself never turning ailing and ill prepared Walter sails for one last grab at glory. He has just two instructions from the king. Come back with the gold and don't, don't, whatever you do, upset the Spaniards. Did you really believe in me? Did you truly believe the story that thirst-crazed sailor told you? There he is, adrift on the current, when he's captured by natives, led blindfold beyond the forest to the source of the river, heart of the mountains. His mask is removed, he opens his eyes, gold, city of gold, built of gold, whose king bathes in gold dust. I am the voice of El Dorado the gilded man, at the lip of the mine where all the wealth of the world is found. Twenty years ago you came, found only spar, fool's gold. Now you're back, old, infirm. And what happens? You falter again, Sir Walter. Your sailors die of mysterious fever. The gamble is lost. You turn the ships to England.
Dawn, October the 29th, 1618. These last days, Walter has twice decided to flee for France and turn back twice. He has written abject letters to the king pleading for his life, which have failed. But now, for this climactic public occasion, Walter has finally regained his pride, his old appetites for a flourish, and his dress sense. It's time, Sir Walter. Step up now to the block. Make your speech, ever the Elizabethan. Now we witness the passing of an age. History is ruthless. England is a bitch. You ask to see my axe? Run your finger along its edge. Theatrical touch. This is sharp medicine, you say. But a sure cure for all diseases. The crowd splutter. Last laugh. I fling down my cloak. You kneel. Stretch out your arms. Your signal to me to strike. But I can't move. I am your executioner, Sir Walter. Yet why? With all my experience and skill. What do you fear? You shout. Strike, man! Strike! Give me my scallop shell of quiet My staff of faith to walk upon my scrip of joy, immortal diet My bottle of salvation Love the cases Love the clauses. Love the adverbs and the antecedents. Love the words. From ELFM. Hello and welcome to Wordy Birds. Wordy Birds is our regular spot for stories and for poetry. Writers, poets, scribblers and wordy birds from Yorkshire and beyond. Give us what they've got. Why are we called wordy birds? I think once I had to introduce myself in a group and instead of saying I'm a writer, I said, I'm a wordy bird. And somebody, uh, our dear friend James Lewis Moran, who's a poet, lives in Seacroft, latched on to that. And after that, forever after, he called me a wordy bird. I think he calls himself a wordy bird too, in all honesty. And so he is. So, in this episode of Wordy Birds, we have, first of all, two poems back to back by Pauline Kirk, read by Pam Hilton. Pauline is a very very wonderful poet and story writer, lives in York, has been sending in stuff and very good stuff to ELFM for many years. Pauline Kirk. Free Offer by Pauline Kirk Rainbow on a factory roof, where do you end? Is your gold under old cars or buried in crocks of steel? Rapunzel in my city tower, I watch streets dissolve and slide and gutters become a mountain stream. Beyond the chimneys, the sky blurs like ink in water and smoke rises blue and green. But near me, corrugated iron flaps butterfly wings. Though the city hurries by, you colour me a spectrum of joy and desolation. 
rainbow on a factory roof. Where do you end? Hats by Pauline Kirk They don't make hats like they used to. Half a draper's shop of silk or satin. Peacocks ran when her ladyship approached. Small birds fled, lest they be skewered to a fashion statement the size of a meat dish. An ideal husband never queried the milliner's bill. He understood that his wife's place in society depended on a new hat with every season. My grandmother made hats, shaping a small living from felt and straw. Even in old age, she could transform a faded bonnet into Sunday best. For her, a modern hat was fit only for country walks. Nowadays, though, life has too many windy days for a woman to display her wealth in feathers or balance her credentials on her head. So thank you there to Pam Hilton for reading those two poems by Pauline Kirk. And now another monologue by Marriott Edgo, read by Keith Fenton. Goalkeeper Joe by Marriott Edgar. Joe Dunn were a bobby for football. He gave all his time to that sport. He played for West Wigan Whippets on days when they turned out one short. He'd been member of club for three seasons and had grumbled again and again because he found only time that they used him were when it were pouring with rain. He felt as his talents were wasted when each week his job seemed to be no but minding the clothes for others and chucking clods at referee. So next time selection committee came round to ask for his sub, he told them if they didn't play him, he'd transfer to some other club. Committee they coaxed and they cudgelled him, but found he'd have none of their shifts. So they promised to play him next weekend, in match against Todmud and Swifts. This match were plummered the season, an annual fixture it stood, were reckoned as good as a cup tie by them as lacked plenty of blood. The day of the match dawned in splendour. A beautiful morning it were, with fog drifting up from the brickfields and a drizzle of rain in the air. The whippets made Joe their goalkeeper, a thing as what weren't wanted at all, for they knew once battle had started, they'd have no time to mess with ball. Joe stood by goalposts and shivered, while fog round his legs seemed to creep, till feeling neglected and lonely, he leant back and went fast asleep. He dreamt he were playing at Wembley, and roar of a thundering cheer, he were kicking goal foot whippets when he woke with a clout in his ear. He found twerk ball what had struck him, and inside net there it lay. But as no one had seen this year happen, he punted it back into play. Twerk first ball he'd punted in anger, his feelings he couldn't restrain. Forgetting as he were goalkeeper, he ran out and kicked it again. Thereafter the ball like a rabbit, he rushed down the field full of pride. He reckoned he nobody stopped him, then happened he'd score for his side. Halfway down he bumped into his captain, who weren't going to let him go by. But Joe, like Horatio Nelson, put a fist to the captain's blind eye. On he went till goal lay before him, then stopping to get himself set. He steadied the ball and then kicked it and landed it right in the net. The fog seemed to lift at that moment. And all eyes were turned on the lad. The whippets seemed kind of dumbfounded. While the swifts started cheering like mad. Twere his own goal what he'd kick ball through. He'd score for his foes against his friends. For he'd slept through the referee's whistle. And at half time he hadn't changed ends. Joe had transferred from West Wigan Whippets to Todmud and Swifts, where you'll see, still minding clothes for the others and chocking clods at referee. 
Thank you so much to Keith for reading that uh, that monologue. They are wonderful to hear. I think most of us only know Albert and the Lion. It's great to hear the others. Please keep uh, sending them towards us. Send them our way, Keith. Great to have them. That's all from Wordy Birds in this episode. We'll be back shortly. Happy listening. Happy writing. Happy reading.